cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Lord of Fix, Tyson Jack, Samson Hill. Spent over on the board. SP Future. SP, SP Future down 950. NASDAQ Futures down 7250. Uh, but we had a massive day, up day yesterday. So this is just a, a little give back. And we can, we can, we can, we can blow through this little loss here in, in two minutes because we're all over the place on these. I thought, Matty, yesterday the uh, the chance we get to four thousand on the uh, uh, S and P futures, and we ended up getting to like four thousand and thirty. There was just no no stopping any of this stuff yesterday. It's a, amazing what the Fed managed to pull off. Lou, how are you, buddy? I am great. Sunny camp is opened. Uh, yeah. Are you are you coaching? No, I'm just uh, I'm glad to see football back. Uh, even though I, I think the NFL has got all kinds of internal issues, but I'm happy to see uh, I'm happy to see the start of football season. It's uh, it's kind of like you know the renewal in spring. You know, <laughs> hope, hope springs or uh, spring training. Hope springs eternal in the in the hearts of, of football fans. I'm just hoping to see some decent football here in Denver. Well, the the coach is here now. How many times you know if if you if you live a while. How many times do you replace coaches and then the guy's going to come in and say, we're going to tackle harder and block harder and run faster, and boy, this training camp's going to be tough on these guys so they're even tougher. Must have heard that, what, 30 times by now to various teams? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, we're, we're, coming in, we're coming in to, uh, to work on you know, our fundamentals and get back to you know, basics and blah, 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 blah. The only... Yeah, every now and then you'll you'll get a coach who says, "Look, our, our defense sucks, and uh, we got to improve that, or we've got to improve our offensive line play, or we have to move our we have we have to get our routes sorted out better for our receivers or whatever." I mean, I mean here here in Denver, you know the the arrival of uh, the arrival of, of a new quarterback um, is is somebody is something that has been. Uh, you know, it, it, it's been annual. Every year, some new guy comes in, new quarterback comes in, but but they're not fixing, they're not fixing the basics on their on their offense. Um, I, I did note, by the way, I was happy to see. It looks like the Bears are putting some offensive line talent in front of uh, in front of Fields. So, is that is that something people are talking about? Who? Well, I got the kid yeah. that they drafted from last year. It was that they had well, they brought, didn't they play. Brought, they brought some new, didn't they bring some new guys in last week or this week? I mean, I, I don't know, Matty. I, I didn't see any big names come in. Did you? I'm um, just uh, kind of catching up on uh, on the the roster. I know that uh, they brought in Schofield, and that that got some some attention. Um, but yeah, they've they've revamped the offensive line. We'll see how well it does. And then they obviously have the two guys that were rookies last year that got a lot of playing time. Well, you have the center from. Uh, they signed a center, but I thought the kid from Notre Dame was actually playing pretty well. So now, I don't know if he's going to move to guard or he's going to be a second string or what his deal is. The kid from Notre Dame lost the first. So they they signed a center, but the center and the center and the two guard spots weren't their problem. They said they had no tackles. 
Really? Yeah, I thought they I thought they'd brought in a kid that looked uh, looked you know like he might be able to manage a tackle position. I just well, that's a kid from last year, the kid that they drafted uh, the second round two years ago and didn't play all last year because he had back surgery. Oh, okay. All right, so he's back. Yeah. All right. Well, the in any event, to go back to your point, the the idea that you know a coach would come forward with specifics saying. Yeah, we've been we've been weak in these positions or whatever. Uh, you almost never see that. I always I always <laughs> I always remember when Grant came when Bud Grant came to uh, to the Vikings. Somebody was asking him what is you know do you have a coaching philosophy? And he said, Yeah. He said, Offense sells tickets, defense wins football games, and I'm here to win football games. <laughs> um, and and so you saw that reflected in the in the Vikings draft they had an exceptionally competent general manager a guy named Jim Finks who came later to Chicago and built your Super Bowl team um, but it, it it's almost you know the coverage the coverage on football is so detailed now that you would think you would get some more specific pronouncements out of out of you know the coaching staff from from just the the coverage by the or the depth of the coverage by the sports community I would think sports writers would be asking more detailed questions but it it seems like they they really don't it's all it's all softball it's very similar to the the Fed news conference yesterday if you say anything bad you're not invited back so I'm looking at the Bears updated depth chart which is not official obviously because they just started training camp but looking at the offensive line um like I mentioned, they brought in Michael Schofield, and that was a, 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 a guy that I think was a free agent. They also brought in Riley Reef, who's a veteran uh, tackle, and they have him slotted in at left tackle right now. I don't know if he's going to stay because they, they, Tevin Jenkins, the guy that had the back surgery last year, was a, a high pick that they're hoping will, will take that over at some point. Uh, so basically, their only same starter from last year is uh, Whitehair, who's uh, the, the guard now. And, uh, and then Larry Borum, who's the other rookie that uh, played right tackle last year. Right now, according to the depth chart I'm looking at, he's still slotted in as a starting right tackle. Well, who, what happened to the right guard? He was free agent? Um, yeah. He was our best lineman, probably. Well, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I mean, it, I, I didn't think any of them were that good, to be honest. Well, Whitehead's pretty the, the center played pretty well, the Notre Dame kid. Yeah. I mean, every, he's, I, he's where? He's like second string or something? Yeah. So that, And then they have a, a bunch of backups that played last year as well that have a lot of experience. So this, this is still fluid, but based on what I'm seeing today, as of July 27th, um, that's, that's your starting five. It's Reef at left tackle, Whitehair at left guard, Patrick Lucas at center, Schofield at right guard, and Larry Borum at right tackle. I, I I'm hoping that this is going to work because I I like I like Fields and I think he's a tremendous talent. But it, to put him in behind a line that you know as a rookie or as a young, even a younger quarterback to put him behind a line that cannot protect him or that can't give him you know he's still got to adjust to the speed of the game and and young quarterbacks need time to to process what's happening in front of them unless they're you know unless they're Joe Burrow and that that only comes or Mahomes and that only you know that only comes along you know not very often once or twice in a in a draft or in a season so to have you got it they got to give that guy time but the, the big question here in Denver is whether the addition of Russell Wilson by itself is going to be enough I, I 
personally don't think it is based on what I saw from Denver uh, last year. And and that we'll we'll see how that goes. And then of course the other story that I wanted to I wanted to mention just from an agent perspective is the Kyler Murray uh, contract down in uh, in Arizona. I I don't I don't recall ever seeing a a football contract that required the player or where the player had to be contractually committed to something that is referred to as independent study (laughs) of of four hours a week and and with the specifics that it has to be done on a you know an ipad or or you know some other some other device and with specifics like you know it doesn't count as independent study if he's looking at something else on the ipad or or uh comparable language uh, my immediate reaction was, are they going to have a babysitter for this guy? Well, that would not be unprecedented. That's not a, that would not be unprecedented, by the way. Yeah, it says in his contract he's required to do four hours per week of, of uh, film study. <laughs> As part of the contract. I don't think I've ever seen that. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, that's... I, I don't get it. Lou, you, you know, see, it, you were, Matty Weber was not born yet. And you were lurking in the in the bowels of Canada. You don't remember the, the famous Bobby Douglas story? No, but I remember Bobby Douglas. Well, he was. A was, was this something? Was this something that Gibran, Abe Gibran? Now there's a name you haven't heard for a while. Oh, I love that. Something Abe, Gib, Abe Gibran demanded of him. Jim Dooley was the coach. Okay. And so they decided that he needed a lot of film work, right? So they put all the films in his. He put all the films in his car, allegedly home, and watched them. Of course, he parked by Division Street to pit, shall we say, to pick up some company for the film fest, and uh, somebody broke into his car and stole the films, and they were the only pack of films. <laughs> so I think Dooley moved into his apartment with him for like three weeks. So every night they could go over films his apartment without without him stopping at Division and picking up some other company first. I don't know if it was in his contract, but but they did it. It was hilarious. <laughs> just saying. I, I just. It, it seems to me that if you are writing into a contract, oh, by the way, you have to be, we're going to pay you $36 million a year. I think that's the number. It's not guaranteed, but we're going to pay you $36 million a year. And, oh, by the way, we, we require you to act like a diligent, you know, a diligent professional in, uh, in doing this. If you've got to write that into the contract, the guy's not worth thirty-six million a year. Now, I'm sorry. You, you know that, and I know that, but I got to believe that assuming common sense with a lot of these people is is an assumption that that you're going to regret. Well, uh, Deshaun Deshaun Watson's certainly demonstrated that that the truism of that statement. I I was if I'm an agent, I. I I mean, I wrote. A, I've written a lot of employment agreements and a lot of employment contracts. And and if I'm an agent, looking at the language of that deal, of that that's those that particular clause, uh, I'm I'm would be balking up one side and down the other, and just saying, look, let let's figure out some way of, of putting flexibility in here. But to specify to the extent to the extent you have to specify. If there's anything else playing on your iPad, that doesn't count as independent study. So, and four hours a week? I'm sorry. 
Uh, that sounds like nothing. Sounds like nothing. Doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, it, it stipulates four hours a week outside of team stuff. So on his own, and and then. Uh, but 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 that's that's four days. That's four days a week coming in an hour early or staying an hour late and watching film. And and you guys both know that even the even the you know, average quarterbacks in the NFL are doing more than that right now. And the good ones, the guys you build a franchise around, which is what they think they're going to do with this kid, the good ones are in there, you know, adding an additional 10 to 20 hours a week on that kind of study. Of course. Of course they are. And it leads me to believe that he's done as well as he has based on just talent alone because he's obviously not doing any of the extra studying and work that, like well, you said... Exactly, and more importantly, Matt, this is his work ethic. You right. know? Yep. His work ethic is, I'm just going to come in and pick up what I can in in practice, and that's the minimum. I mean, the, the, the way you would deal with this in a normal employment setting is you would tell the employee, look, we expect you to do this, and if you don't, we're going to bench you, or we're going to fire you, or we're going to demote you, or we're going to we're going to do something else because your your job performance is your issue. If you need to take more time, take it. The idea that you would have to write something like that, he, that he doesn't have enough self pride or self motivation to do this on his own, that they've got to actually write it into a contract. It's it's coming easy That's for crazy. Him. He's for his whole life. He's gone to football practice and probably baseball practice and every other place did fine was better than everybody else they went off to find uh, somebody from the opposite sex yes it, they're exactly right this uh, this article i'm reading says the addendum also states that murray will not get credit if he's not studying or watching the material while it plays on his tablet or if he's doing something that can distract him or draw his attention <laughs> elsewhere while the material is playing such as playing video games watching tv or browsing the internet or, or, or <laughs> i mean I, I, I mean, how for, are, are they? So, so I will say, first of all, the idea that you have to write that in there tells me that this guy is not worth thirty-six million dollars a year. That's number one. The, the second thing is, there are ways. I mean, if they're doing it just through the iPad, which, I mean, if I was his agent, I would never agree to this. But if they're doing this just through the iPad, then they can monitor him. They can monitor what's on the iPad. They can not, and I presume, you know, that he will have to give them uh, access to the iPad's camera so that they can turn it on or and, and sound so they can turn it on and and listen to see if he's you know if he's engaged in recreational activities other than independent study. Um, I would never agree to that if I was the agent. Nineteen eighty four. They may not have thought about it. Well, I mean, I mean, does this mean he can't, you know, he can't be, be uh, studying the playbook? I, I don't think so. It, it, it's a, it's a, just a, a weird clause. And unless they're going to put a babysitter with him, and, and, and again, I go back to if you're putting a babysitter with him, he's not worth thirty six million a year. I'm sorry, he's not. I don't care how talented he is. One of the, one of the things you expect your franchise quarterbacks to be able to understand is that the job does not end once you take the helmet off. 
and and I, it, it just it, this whole this whole thing just, just yeah, but some guys are it's totally crazy. Some guys are really good at that, and some guys understand it and learn from it, and other guys you just can't talk them into it. Hey, Blue, I got a talking to Kevin yesterday. Second half hour, I want to talk a lot about this bill that just came out. This uh, um, why do they call this thing the inf- they're going to spend. Three hundred sixty-nine billion dollars, and they're going to name it the Inflation Reduction Act. <clears throat> I mean, I don't, don't even don't even get me. Well, I'm I, I'm really not prepared to talk about it because the language has not been finalized. But I will just point to it as this is another marker of ideological purity that this administration feels it needs to to put out this focus on renewables after watching what happened in Germany, watching what and and, and having turned off our. Um, you know our natural gas spigots. I I, I think it's totally crazy. Well, what's uh, irresponsible? Well, for the next ten here, let's. Uh, Kevin and I were talking yesterday, and every time we got to the end of his statement, it was where the hell's Lou? Um, I've been sort of, sort of, sort of, sort of following this college football likeness thing a little bit, and uh, the first thing, obviously, well, maybe not so obviously, <clears throat> is when it started. Excuse me. The uh, when it first started, that you know, like the Notre Dame offensive line got a pizza place to give them pizza and beer once a week or something, and whole line got to. I mean, it, it started off that way, and other individual people got uh, contracts, and the the two very attractive sisters that play volleyball for some place got a great modeling contract. I mean, it started to evolve that way, sort of individually, and that you were yeah, and, and everybody and everybody recognized that if you're trying to build an effective team, if you've got some members of the team that are getting lucrative contracts and other members of the team who play in less notable positions are not, then then your team cohesion is really going to suffer. Well, I had a couple of uh, uh, <coughs> clients <coughs> clients who, uh, their sons, I mean, the guys were older, and uh, were going to get into that business. They were going to they try and be a marketing firm for athletes and I mean, it was the Wild West a year ago. Well, now it seems like the latest I've read is the schools have essentially taken this over. And this is one of the reasons why um, the SEC and the Big Ten, maybe the only two conferences left. I mean, the SEC is the one I've been getting uh, verbal messages and other things that they actually now are going out. And if they go to a high school kid, they're saying, well, you're on the offensive line, so here's the package we have for you know, whatever, yeah. the Alabama offensive line, and we've got them doing all these different things, and your cut right out of the gate is going to be like fifty grand the first year or something. Now, my question is, and I, and I don't doubt that, and I, I absolutely w- I would be convinced that the schools, if they possibly can, through some entity, would want to control this as much as they can, where, where they're effectively paying the kid. Now, if the kid, you know, looks like Rock Hudson or someplace, he's going to go model on his own maybe, but in general... The basic package, I think, that the, the school would like to be able to offer to people. Now, my question is, Lou, who the hell is that that does that? I mean, it has to be an entity. It can't be can't be the University of Alabama doing it. Is it, you know, is the Alabama Alabama Boosters LLC or the Alabama Boosters Corp? And if they're going to actually pay these guys, like, I guess, why why do I have these? I always drop back into this financial analyst brain cell, maybe my one brain cell. Who the who writes that check? And and is it are they an employee? And you know, clearly, they have to show up for practice. I mean, you've told us eloquently a bunch of times that if if I'm hired as a uh, 
or we hire Maddie to, to do some software work, well, I'll, we're paying just for the product, and you, you know he's supposed to give it to us in 30 days. We can't tell him to show up at eight, or nor, nor should we, or to, to leave at four. Not as an independent contractor, yeah. no. So obviously, how are these people going to? Somebody's writing this check, <clears throat> and they're writing the check. So other people got to tell you you have to be at the news, the, the, the session, or whatever. How 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 are they going to be away from this kid being an employee <clears throat> and having to be workman's camp and all this other stuff? How are they going to go down this road without getting there? Well, that that you, you remember my when we first started talking about this. Oh man, I was still in Chicago, so this must have been 2015 when the Northwestern players tried to form yeah. a union, and and this that fool at the National Labor Relations Board said, "Yeah, there's." They're, you know, this is an employment relationship, and I, I, I said this is, this is a totally wrong model, and the Supreme Court has fallen into this trap too. This is the totally wrong model to use. These people are not employees. This is an in loco parentis situation. They're acting as their parents. This is a much more intrusive relationship than than a simple employer-employee or even independent contractor relationship. And if you look at it as an employer-employee relationship, your scope of control and your scope, your span of responsibility is going to change. It's going to change in a hurry. So, so now, now we are into the brave new world of, of name, image, likeness, which to all intents and purposes are, are wages paid to these, these players. The way I, the way I think you set it up, and, and remember that the NC2A which had seen this train coming down the track for years, inexplicably, did not issue any guidance to member schools. It, it after the after the O'Bannon and the uh, the other um, loss at the uh, in the federal court on on name image likeness rights, they they basically washed their hands of it and said, "You guys, it's it's a free fire zone." And so schools are, are stepping into the breach now to, to fill to fill this lack of guidance. And so what I think is what I what I see happening, and, and this actually might save the service academies, the, the football programs with which I have the most familiarity, um, is that is that the, the schools are setting up corporations, uh, corporate entities under the under the two or the uh, coverage of the athletic department. And, or having either boosters do it, or the schools set up the corporations that that can take and manage money coming in for for the teams, and and it's it's a just a slightly different mechanism than than paper bags full of cash or or a new car going to a player. It's exactly the same motivation. It's exactly the same um, sort of worldview on the part of the donors. But, but it now has a, a patina, if I can use that term, of legitimacy because these guys now come in and rather than handing you know, $50,000 to some basketball player, they're going to pay it to the corporation and the corporation will distribute it according to how the, the AD has, the guidelines the AD has set. I, I assume that these things are put in written agreements Although I, I guarantee you, I would be I would be terrified to hand a contract to a 19 year old basketball player at 
at Kentucky or uh, Kansas and said, here you go, kid, here's your document. Um, the, the, I would expect to see that on the Internet within like five minutes. You know, guess how much money I'm getting from, you know, from Kansas. Um, so uh, it's fraught with it's fraught with issues, but you're but but at a fundamental level, you know, are these are these guys contractually obligated to to show up at practice? Oh are they yeah, contractually obligated to stay in school. Are they contractually obligated to do four hours of independent study a week? <laughs> I I don't know, and 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 are you, you know, the the, the scholarships obviously are contracts. And these guys are signing something like that, but that was a really a relatively standard kind of thing. What if what if now you start writing into a contract? Oh yeah, by the way, if if you uh, if you get seen at a bar, or if you are you do anything to damage the uh, you know the, the reputation of the school, if you get arrested for sexual assault, if you get involved in a drinking party or whatever. Um, we can pull this. Are we, are we going to see you know character clauses in there? I mean, I'm sure they're going to try and BS it and say you're 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 contractually obligated to show up for a 20 minute interview twice a week if asked or something like that. It's not. It's they're probably going to be smart enough to not write it up that you're contractually obligated to show up for practice and run wind sprints because then you clearly you're, you become an employee of somebody else. But I mean. They're gonna. They're gonna. But, but they are. They are employees, chief. I mean, there's no difference between a contractual clause that says you got to make it to practice every day and a contractual clause that says you got to make it to these endorsement. These endorsement. That's what I'm saying. Guys. But this, there's this, no difference. Well, I, I'm 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 agreeing with you. I'm just saying that I. Uh, at, at what point here do we say sure looks like an employee to me? I mean, because I, I mean, exactly. I mean, I. Uh, and, and some of this, I honestly believe. Um, makes some sense. I mean, uh, years ago, God, he's been dead for a while, I was fortunate enough to have an adult beverage or two or three with George Conner after one of these uh, Notre Dame functions. And he said to me, you know, Tom, guess how many surgeries I've had since I stopped playing football that were football-related? And I go, I have no idea. He says, like, 25. Because then that one of them was paid for by Notre Dame or the Bears. You know, I... When you start hearing stuff like that, and you're a taxpayer, and you, you you really start to wonder about this. I mean, if if Alabama and these schools really want to get on that road, I'm not saying the Irish aren't there. For God's sake, Lou, they're employees, and you got to treat them like something. If they're hurt, you can't throw well, them. Well, I, I I agree. I, I mean, again, I, that's why I think that that's why I think that the employment model was the wrong, wrong way to analyze all of this. So so the next question, Chief, is if you're getting this name and this likeness money. So that's clearly income that's taxable. You know, we, why don't we finish question. this up after the break, Lou? We, we didn't cover it in okay. 10 minutes. we got to finish. SP Futures down 9, NASDAQ Futures down 74 for a huge update yesterday. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. 
Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Giants. I'm Tom Mom, Mr. Matt Weber on the board. Hey, Manny, we forgot to mention to Lou that his opening of training camp coincides with the Cubs selling their players every year. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so we shift from maybe wanting to watch the Cubs over to we better look about the Bears because the Cubs got like nobody left. Anyway, SP Futures down nine and a quarter. SA Futures down 77. Dow Futures down 41. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 99.3%. Shanghai up 6.2%. Hang Seng actually with a quiet day, down 47, only 0.2%. They're not the usual percent and a half up and down in the same place. Over in Europe, we've got DAX up 12, call that flat. FTSE down 6, call that flat. CAC around up 2, call that flat. So not much going on in Europe today, kind of bizarre. Yesterday, on a big the big rally, Dow uh, Jones up 436. We've seen that before. But the S&P of 102 and the NASDAQ up 469. That's 4%. Just wild. I mean, uh, they just love what the Fed's doing because he basically was Mr. Dove 
uh, telling people, well, yeah, I don't know. And then for, for two hours, they listen to the guy. Uh, Bonds, uh, five basis points, 2.78. So everybody is all over the Fed about being so strict on inflation, and your 10-year rate is 2.8. 2.8, and your inflation rate is 10 plus. I don't see how that even begins to be aggressive, but that's, that's just me. One, under under 1% at 0.96. Uh, Japan, 0.20, which is the lowest that's been in a while. So for these guys to say they're not pouring money in this month, I don't know about that. Well, up a dollar 96, trying to get back to 199.22. Rent up a dollar 59, 108.21. Natural gas down 9 cents, 8.45. Uh, they made it back to $9, that big run the other day, but now they're sinking back down to the 8s. Arbob up a penny to 344. We got gold up 1660. Wow, 1735. Moving gold. Silver up to 68 cents, 1928. Copper up four cents, 347. We've got Bitcoin up 217, over 23,000, 23,015. And we have the U.S. dollar versus the uh, uh, euro. Actually, stronger this morning. The euro up um, trading 101.2. So that's down 71 thousandths or whatever. Hey, what do you got for us? Traffic Weather Sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have some issues down on the Bishop Ford Expressway on the south side. The uh, outbound side of the Bishop Ford between Sibley and 154th Street is closed and backed up uh, to Dalton um, due to, uh, it looks like, a, a car versus a pedestrian accident. Not sure how that happens on the expressway, but sounds like a person got on the expressway. All traffic is being detoured off at Sibley and can re-enter at Lincoln Avenue. This happened at about 4 a.m. this morning. That has the uh, outbound Bishop Ford still closed at this hour. Furthermore, on the inbound side, right across the way there, uh, it looks like there's a three-car crash in what was already a gaper delay uh, that's now been moved to the right shoulder. So probably uh, cars looking over at what the hell was going on on the other side, and uh, and it caused a three-car crash. So we have stop-and-go traffic now on the inbound Bishop Ford as well uh, due to that crash. So the Bishop Ford is just an absolute mess this morning down by Sibley, so I would avoid that if at all possible. No issues on the Ryan I-57 uh, or the Stevenson. Traffic building on the Eisenhower, but no delays to speak of right now. Same for the Edens and Kennedy. Lakeshore Drive is looking good in both directions. Only other crash in the area is up in the northern suburbs. Lake Cook Road at Saunders Road. There is a crash, but everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, cloudy early. Could have some rain this morning, and then we should clear up uh, this afternoon for a very pleasant, uh, mild uh, day, high of 81. Right now it's overcast and 73 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, rain in the forecast down there as well today and a high of 95. Right now it's mostly clear and 86. In sports, the White Sox blew a two-run lead and were walked off in the bottom of the ninth in Denver yesterday, losing to the Rockies 6-5. Tough loss for the Sox. They're now back to 500. 49 and 49, three games in back of Minnesota, who also lost. That was the good news. So Sox have about, what, 64 games left to go uh, to really turn it on here and, and try to win that division. Cubs were off yesterday. Uh, they'll look for their seventh straight win tonight on the West Coast. They're in San Francisco to take on the Giants. Uh, it's at 845 Central Time first pitch tonight. Diamondbacks beat, beat those Giants uh, yesterday 5-3. to three. And lastly, the Bears have their first uh, practice that's open to the public today. Uh, up in Lake Forest, it says it's a 10 a.m. scheduled practice. Bears, of course, uh, have 20 new guys from last year, including 11 draft picks. 
uh, that they brought in. So uh, they, they're projected to have at least one new starter in every position group except for quarterback, obviously, and then David Montgomery at running back. Everyone else, every other group will have at least one new starter. Chief. Well, the defense, they have uh, Quinn and Roquan Smith are declining to start camp. Who, who else do they have that is even – who else is uh, – a, a elite player on the defense. They have a couple of backs that are pretty good, but still. Yeah, I mean Eddie Jackson, the safety, has had some good, uh, has had some good years and some sort of mediocre years in his first handful of years in the league. Uh, and then the, they really like the cornerback uh, Jaleel Johnson, who's been really good. Um, but uh, but other than that, yeah, it's 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 kind of a lot of no names and young guys, and they they're bringing eleven draft picks from from this last draft where they really stocked up on picks. Which uh, is what you've been asking for, so we'll see if that if that works. Um, and uh, and then on the offensive side, um, completely reworked offensive line. You know, new wide receivers, um, and uh, they still have Cole Komet, still have Darnell Mooney, who they like. Those guys, obviously Montgomery, they're not going to be very good this year, I don't think. Uh, but we'll see uh, if we notice some some changes in in the in some of the fundamental things that they really sucked at last year, like pre-snap penalties and. Just you know, really undisciplined, undisciplined play, turnovers, etc. Let's see if they can clean some of that. Well, stuff the defense, up. you lose uh, Goldman, uh, Hicks, Khalil Mack, and uh, who's the linebacker, Trevathan. He's, even though he'd been up long in the and tooth. all those guys missed half the season last year. Well, I'm saying you, you, you take that amount of well, that's why they that you take that amount of talent off a team. I, I get this feeling. I think those guys probably com- like average to, to each play about eight games. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I that's what I was going to kind of bring up because we get back to Lou on this other stuff. But I, I get this feeling when you get, when you got basically a crap team, all your veterans are always going to be hurt. I agree with that. I mean, I I think if, yes. the, if the every everybody everybody yeah because because people play people play hurt they don't they don't rest enough. I you got to also have to remember that that. The, under the collective bargaining agreement in 2011, and then the new one that was signed after after that, you know they they restricted they restricted hitting practices, and and the nature of the game, you know, it, it's now because you can't hit your running game and your your offensive line game really doesn't start to solidify until until much later in the season, if at all. Um, it, it it seems to me that that you know you, you, you now your your opening uh, your opening weeks are, are more of a seven on seven passing game than they are the kind of you know ball control whatever that that you can you can develop once your running game gets going in. I, I just I think that the the ability to communicate or put in schemes that require a minimum of hitting that require less practice. Uh, and less full speed practice is is the mark of a successful program, and some of the coaches have adapted to that, and some of them haven't. Um, Lou, do you mind if we switch gears over to this? You know, again, I don't want to. Well, let me just let me finish. Let, let me finish my thought about the the name image likeness. Oh yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, so this money is clearly going to come to these kids as income, so it'll be taxable. But now, are we are we taxing? Are we going to? You know, because, because technically now they're getting they're getting paid for playing. Does that mean that the the scholarship benefit, that is the educational value that they're getting, that becomes income as well? Because it used to be the trade off. You know, you you come in to play and and you get the education for free, but now you're being paid to play. Does that 
does that offset the value of that education? I think they're going to try and, and, and tell you. I think they're going to tell you that you're not being paid to play. I mean, it's this, I'm going through this as maybe a, a lawyer would, but I'm not, I wouldn't be a very good one. They're going to say that this is because the offensive line is going to show up at, at, at Maddie Weber's bar once a week, and these we have all these obligations to show up and do interviews that you're not being paid to play. That it's it's exactly the image and likeness, and it's totally separate. Well, well, that's well, well, uh, you know, my my response to that would be that the the NIL contract is dependent on your on your status as a as a player. I, I'm with you. I and mean, so. Yeah, and so I'd be so, first to say what I just you know, said. Are, would we, be are we offsetting the value of that scholarship? I, I think I think you're you're on the way, at least to a, somebody in the IRS coming in and saying we need to be taxing the benefits of the scholarship. Now, now that will last as long as it takes for you know the donor class at, at your bigger schools to pick the phone up and call their congressman and say I don't want that happening. But but I think that's a reasonable interpretation. Well, you're you're, you're getting very very close to Rick Tallender, as Kevin and I were talking about. Where these are these are essentially college sponsored professional teams, and at some point, exactly what they are. Well, this some, is our this is our um, the, the, for basketball and for football, and to a lesser extent for for the other sports. You know, these are our minor leagues. This this replaces. This replaces the club system in, that Europe uses for uh, for soccer and, and rugby and other sports. Well, I think you're getting very close, if not there already, to having the Notre Dames of the world and the Indianas and Purdue's, where this is this is our sponsored pro team where everybody gets paid. And oh, by the way, if I'm the state of Indiana, I, I know this would make me very unpopular, but that's okay. For four years, I would like to be unpopular. I, I'm drop I'm dropping a. a, a a ticket tax on Notre Dame in Indiana. Anybody thinks that this that that, that, that should be immune from an amusement tax because it's a Catholic? That's so that that football team is so far away from that church. It's it's like it's like me being how far away from my being a Jackie this afternoon. I mean, we're not even close. I mean, you're you're going down this road, and I, I don't think they know where they're going, Lou. And I think they're going to get in a, they're going to put a spot where they're not happy. And I I I don't I'm understand at this point why Notre Dame, Purdue, Indiana, John Carroll, all these schools. Why you don't have a club football team of like regular people that go play like a club rugby team? I mean, you got no more chance of being on that team than the man in the moon, the regular team. And it's a professional yeah. team. I mean, we're, we're, it we're is a professional we're, team, absolutely. I mean, we're we're, we're there. I mean, and, and, you know, it, it's always been kind of on well, and, and, and some of us, so chief, a, a bunch of us have been saying for for forty years that that this needed to happen, right? People have been saying this needed to happen. They, you know, the players need to get some benefit of their of their system and, and of the system in which they're operating. Okay, fine, you know, pay them. Then they now become they now become professionals. They become employees, and that flexibility that we had with the in loco parentis relationship, which I think is the right way to look at this, is now going to disappear because they're going to become employees. I think they've been employees for a real long time. These have been paid. Well, that that's that. Is, is certainly one outlook, and, and certainly that was the outlook of of a number of, of uh, you know sports academics who said that, that we need to acknowledge that these, these leagues are now professional leagues, and and that uh, these kids are, prof- are pros, and let let's just get rid of this whole NCAA amateurism issue. Well, when you get and the I idea mean, that the, 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 the coach, recent court rulings have killed that, I would think. Well, the, the idea that the coach makes you know ten million a year and the quarterbacks makes allegedly nothing is kind of crazy to me. 
I mean, uh, I mean, anybody economically would say this is kind of nuts. If you're worth that that much to a place, and they're taking it out of your hide, it's one thing. If we're playing billiards and nobody gets hurt, uh, well, you're getting you're getting a, you're getting a free education. Um, I mean, that was that was the that was the argument, right? Except a lot, a lot of those kids don't even graduate. The third third year, they're gone. Of course, of course, they yeah. don't. That yeah. that was that was the that was the the big lie that was involved in that whole that whole system. I'm getting a free education. Hey, that's great. If in fact we were putting the same emphasis on your education that we were putting on your sports ability, I might I might buy that. But we're not. We're, we're you know you're you're taking. As one of my old coaches at Air Force used to say, yeah, we're going up. You know, you guys are all taking aeronautical and astronautical air engineering courses that you have to take. Your opponents are taking courses in basket weaving and fender straightening. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it it's it's not the same thing. And so I, I would I, I would argue that that we're now moving into that brave new world of these people's employees. And and by the way, uh, and this will be the last thing I'll say on this. Um, this is this is to be death for the service academy teams, because because their kids can't get extra money. Now, the athletic departments might be able to form NIL committees or or, or, or groups that can take donations and and funnel them to the back to the athletic department, but that's no different than what they're doing now. I'm going to say they can't pay those kids. All right, I'm going to say my. I actually have two questions. So. We're, I think that you, your your academies, you're going to end up with, I'm going to say, 20 teams in the SEC that are the real football teams, 20 teams in the Big Ten, and at the end of the year, those guys are they're going to be the cream. Whether it's 40 or 50 teams, they're going to be 40. It'll 50 be 60. It'll chief. It'll be 64. It'll be four 16-team super conferences. 64 teams I, I don't think that, that will kick in their kick in their I, I not large bids that will kick in their people to a national class. I, I, don't, I don't think you're going to end up with 64 teams that are out doing all this other stuff, getting people. I don't. I don't think, for instance, I don't think Northwestern really has the stomach to compete with Alabama in this running around and getting people to go to bars and paying them 100 grand. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Northwestern. Here's, here's where here's where this is headed. And I lied when I said this was the last thing I was going to say on this topic. Here's where this is headed. Because you have to have competitive opponents, you are going to have these 64 teams come into these conferences. The conferences are going to start setting some kind of compensation or NIL cap or some kind of revenue sharing so that the Northwesterns, or, or it won't be Northwestern because they're an academic school, but but some of these other lesser programs, uh, Wake Forest, uh, North Carolina, uh, Pitt, can come in and compete, and they're going to have they're going to have some kind of they're going to have to have some kind of communist or socialist uh, uh, arrangement, so that so that they can maintain the competition that makes college football. I, so I'm going to, uh, and that's how I think they're going to end up doing here, it. Here's a, the the just, Matt, you might want to write this down. If we're still doing the show 20 years from now. And we're all still healthy. I'm going to say your number is wrong. You, you're, you're spot on with what's going to happen, but I'm going to say there's going to be 25 to 35 schools that go down that road, and the rest of them are are back into the. There's going to be a national championship of 
the Northwesterns, the Air Forces, those the the, 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 t- the teams that just don't have a stomach for doing that. I'm not so sure Notre Dame does. Well, what we would call what we used to call the SAT the SAT conference. Yeah, I, I don't think Notre Dame has, has honestly has the stomach for going out and, and and doing all this recruitment and making these people employees and giving them this big check. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm, they probably would. I don't think Indiana does. I don't think Purdue does. It's a it's a massive undertaking. No, I, I, I I agree. I well, agree. So okay, well, some, last question. Some stage, everybody looks around and says, "Wait a minute, we're college. We're not. Yeah. we're not a pro football." You made Chicago did that. Yeah. You Chicago did that right years ago. Hey. Quick question on this, and I want to talk a little bit about this, Bill. Just on one thing, what does this do to Title IX? Oh yeah, oh no, it, it creates all kinds of inequities for Title IX to to play up. And we talked, we actually talked about this about uh, four years ago, where I, where I said, okay, you've got all this new names like this money pouring in, but if I'm a female athlete in a lesser sport, or even not a lesser sport, let's just say women's basketball. You know, I'm I'm a I'm an I'm a female. Well, I can't even say that anymore. I'm an athlete playing women's basketball. Um, I'm not, but I'm I'm not going to get the same the same payout as, as these other guys. And Title IX specifically says you cannot allocate resources that way. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, my my question, not 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 necessarily on this. On, on, well, I guess it's going to be on the bill itself, but it's more of a general question. Though, I I read somewhere, and this could be totally wrong. I, I thought I read somewhere that up until a few years ago, there, there hadn't hadn't been a bill. You know, this can't be right. There, there hadn't been a bill passed in Congress, a, a, a funding bill that had, a, had specific companies' names in it. Since there has to have been though some of the defense bills, they must be you know they're buying a plane from uh, Boeing or somebody. Since really since World War II, it, it just wasn't done. I, I, now I think they're all over these bills. The name, the drug companies are going to get the money. This, and I'm, I'm looking at this thing, and I, I've been, as you know, I've having, I mean, I'm in an industry that obviously has gone from a real lot of people making a nice living to a few people making embarrassing, bring amounts of money, and nobody else even being in the in the, in the business, and nobody seems to care. I mean, nobody seems to care, and uh, because those guys, they, they 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 run the regulation, they run the rules, they run the senators, they run everything. And I'm looking at this bill. Now this is a this is the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the biggest load of crap. Uh, Seven twenty-five page of le- legislation, but here, here's what: um, if, if passed and signed into law, the act would include funding for the following. I'm just gonna read off a couple of these: manufacturing clean en- energy products, ten billion investment tax credits to manufacturing facilities for things like electric vehicles, wind turbines, solar panels, and thirty billion for additional production tax credits to accelerate. Domestic manufacturing of solar panels, blah blah blah. Uh, what about nukes? All right, well, twenty billion for the. I'm, you know, I'm just. My my point is, Lou. I think I think there's a name attached to all this, and I I don't. I'm reaching where, I, where, I, where I'm going with this. And by the way, the person I quote all the time is this kind of uh, unusual attorney out of Denver named Lou Michaels. Who, who, oh no, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah this we've is. Talked, we've talked about this. But every. I don't know that you and I, no matter what business we're in, and take us back to when we were 25 years old and somebody gives us two million bucks and says, you two guys seem talented enough, go find yourself a business. Look, I don't know that if you, if you don't find a way to put your nose up the ass of government that you can compete in this country anymore if you're, if you're not tied into these guys somehow. I mean, research, look at this, $27 billion 
clean energy technology accelerator to support deployment of technologies that curb emissions, and $2 billion for breakthrough. I think people are all over this bill, saying that's me. This, these, these, this money's already a portion, and if you're not in it, you, you and I would never be in the solar panel business competing against people that are getting money from these guys. Listen, this is this is how, and, and having done some government contracting work and advising, so if people are already teeing up, you have a normal cast of characters that specialize in government contracting work, and and they are lining up minority businesses, they are lining up women-owned businesses, they are lining up veterans-owned businesses, some of which have not. You know, could not spell solar panel if you spotted them the, you know, the solar. Um, and, and they are lining these groups up to act as fronts for, for the distribution of money. And, and, you know, you know as well as I do that a sizable portion of that money, I mean, well, how much of COVID, how much of the COVID money got diverted that we think is just gone? Like 300 billion, 400 oh, billion yeah. dollars? The, the, these people are, these folks are lining up for these kinds of distributions, they are they are looking at the federal contracting, the FAR, the federal acquisition regulation, the preference rules, and they are they are teeing up their their front groups, their their people to put in front of the government. They're looking for every protected category person they can find to to prop up organizations so that when they go to the congressional entity or the, the regulatory entity that's going to disperse this money. They can say, "Look how diverse we are," or they, you know, there's going to be very, very little in terms of, of, you know, that that that's going to be the, that's going to be the functional equivalent of the startup outside of the big the big players. Well, here, this and, one, you really want to get is a scam. It's wealth redistribution, but it's being done in a in a scam. What was the word I heard the other well, day? It's, a it's, scammerish kind of way. But it's not redistribution, Luke. We really want to get pissed off. Then the show with you. Environmental justice initiatives, $60 billion to address the unequal effects of pollution on low-income communities and communities of color. I, w- I will bet... That's, a, well, that's, an, income di- that's an income redistribution move. Uh, you know what that is. It, you know how that's going to go. Well, it, how, many, how, many, how many pastors in Chicago, in the south side of Chicago, are going to come to this program with their hands up? Uh, well, that's my point. The, the pastors will get another Rolls-Royce. But the average person that we know in the South Side that I rode the bus with yesterday, they're not going to see a dime of this. Of course not. They're not going to. This is this is this is a this is these are wealth payoffs. These are these are political payoffs to keep that ideological purity rolling in on the Democratic Party. And I, I'm you know, I mean I'm I'm focusing on the Democrats because this is their bill. But but uh, you know you know as well as I do that it's just a slightly different class of people that get the money if. If we had a Republican, I, I guarantee you, there's a lot of Republican fingers in this pie, or it wouldn't, or they would really be be, be uh, bitching. They about don't need more. no. Their position is they don't need Republican fingers. There are no Republican I, I, I fingers I, I in this pie as of right okay, now. But this is a pure okay. Democrat pie. All right, That's why Mansion is so important. All right, what, I, what I'm saying is, and this is the one thing I get somewhat from the right wingers, which I don't really get from the left, uh, maybe because they're not the right's not in power, but. This whole idea that when all this money is largesses, that the, that none of the well, here's one for utilities are going to get thirty billion. I mean, we really need to give Commonwealth Edison money. I'm going to say that Commonwealth Edison is probably a conservative organization. I mean, Tom, I mean, Tom, 
No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that. You're not paying attention to what's happening in corporate American I, I, I am. I wouldn't agree with that at all. But I let, me, let me. Let me. I know. I, I know the back. position is. This, you only got a minute. I know the position. This artificially distorts the market, much like right. the Biden administration's war on fossil fuels distorted our refining capability and caused the, our our investment in in energy to drop off the, the charts. It weakens us. And it's going to continue to weaken as long as we have ideologues making these I, I, kinds I'm of financial with you, but the, decisions. I'm with you, but the concept that no Republican senator or representative got any of this money for his district is flat out wrong. I, I, I'm just saying, as far as I know, there's no Republican support for this. There might, there might, there might not no. be. It doesn't mean that in committee... That's why, that's why Manchin is in the middle of it. That, Lou, it's, that's why these guys, as much as they try and argue, and that's my point all along, as much as they stoke the argumentative fires between you and me, the fact is, in those committees, they're not stiffing the Republican guy with a big zero. It's not happening. He's getting his piece, too. Well, if it looks like it's going to pass, you've got people lining up now to try to help the people in their districts get that money. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but as of right now, you know, there, there, there's one more wild card in the, Democratic, in the Democratic deck on whether this thing passes. And, it's and just like all these guys. He's going to vote for it. Right. I don't know. But it's, it's just like all the people that uh, are, are trading in Congress. They're Democrats and they're Republicans. They're not one or the other. They're not going to. There's not going to snitch on themselves that. They're not going to snitch on themselves when it comes to campaign, and they're all going to split this up. Democrats might do a little yeah. better, but it's yeah. not like the Republicans are stiffed. Mm, I'm not so sure right now. Maybe maybe a little bit later. That's why I say it's a mistake to jump on this bill right away until we right, but, actually. Well, I'd, I'd like to read out whose names in here. Maybe we can go work for them. They're getting all this money for nothing. Money for nothing, and, you, and your chicks. Right? We have Mr. Danjanitas coming up. Lou, thank you. Good stuff as usual. SP Futures down ten. As if he's down seventy nine. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. 
With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Something happening here. Hello, welcome back to Station Jackson. I'm Tom Amos, Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 12, NASDAQ Futures down 89. A little bit of a, of a give back here. I don't know that we'll stay there, but we have the, the huge move yesterday. Mr. Dan, you with us? I'm here. How are you, buddy? Did you uh, ride, ride that rally like a horse yesterday? What did you do? <laughs> well, we, you know, we did actually see a nice rally in our, our, uh, in our names uh, yesterday. But uh, no, we we're not stepping in and putting new cash to work in in uh, in this market necessarily. We're st- staying with what we do best, which is looking for income opportunities, and there have been some good ones. So um, the, you know, we participated in the rally, but we're you know we have been fortunate to not have participated in the sell-off this year. So we're looking pretty good right now. Yeah, we uh, we actually been, been pretty long through this whole mess too. Although I think we if we did that again. Uh, um, today, I don't think we stay long very long. We, we were able to roll some calls up the other day, but you know, it, it is so bizarre. We we rolled. Uh, we had the, we were short the two ninety sixes in our in our protected program, and uh, and we took the opportunity to roll them to the two ninety eights as the queues went down to like two ninety. So yeah. you know, but any but any time you can roll up for a credit, you know, we usually take it because we like to be a little long. Or our clients like to be a little long. And all of a sudden now we're three oh five in one yeah. day. I mean it's I mean it is I've never seen any time like this where we are rolling someplace every day. And there were times when you did that once a month or two. And now it's this is this is crazy. Uh Dan, the, the to me the amount of money flying back and forth in every word these people talk, they're not anybody who expects well, I'll lob this one out there in my opinion, anybody expects Anybody with an ounce of brains economically to think that these guys are cutting back when when the, when the bonds have done nothing but straight up the last three weeks really has a problem. <laughs> I mean, do we really think that they're? I mean, you you don't you don't go from three percent to two point three in a ten year rate when your inflation is ten percent plus. Right. With, with the Fed telling you they're pulling money out, no, they're not. They can't be. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I can see, the only. Um the only explanation that I can give is that more money um, is coming in from investors. So, uh, you know, it's a flight to quality measure, which does not necessarily equate with what we saw in the market yesterday because we were seeing a, a little bit of a risk-on measure. Um, and, it, you know, so there's sort of two different things going on. I agree with you. It's very, it's, it's very confusing. It's also hard to understand where it's coming from. And it also doesn't necessarily go... Hand in hand, the big picture doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with with you know economics and what we generally see from slowdowns in economic activity and in terms of how they impact not only the stock market but but uh, interest rates. So so it is a it's it's a it's a tough time to maneuver around the information. But I think the main reason the market liked 
yesterday's Fed hike is that it came in line with expectations. There were no surprises. I think there's the the, the confidence in the Fed now that there there wasn't six months ago. But I still think there is for those of us who have been in the market for a while, there is a certain level of skepticism that we have going forward because we know that they're looking at numbers that I mean some of them haven't haven't even been posted. In fact, we're 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 just about to get the GDP number this morning. And also jobless claims this morning, and those are two important numbers. Um, so I do agree with you. It's it, you know things seem to move a little bit um, further than than we even anticipated. I expected a little bit of a rally if we got seventy five basis points, but not the extreme that we saw. And then also on the yield side, you know what I what I've done is I've gone through and looked at the the much shorter term yields because that's where we're, that's where we're. Um, participated in the market, and you can look at the three-month um, yield on the three-month now being two-and-a-half. You can look at the yield on the six-month being 292. These are T-bills I'm talking about, and the one-year T-bill being at 3%. So what it is, what it has done is it's with these rate hikes, these last two rate hikes, it has set up a buying opportunity for those investors who want to put some money to work in the bond market who have been waiting on the side for this to happen, and it is happening. So now to be able to put some money to work at 3% or 290 for a six-month T-bill, that's giving you something finally. We've been waiting for this period of time. Um, it's, it's allowing um, people who had money in the equity market that wanted to step back um, and, and at least you know have some powder ready for... Um, you know, a, a better time uh, to do that. So we we're also seeing foreign money coming in. We're seeing a stronger dollar. We're seeing um, you know the slight to capital at the same time that we're seeing this you know rally in tech. And um, so it is sort of different messages that people are taking from from the market. And I think some, frankly, I think some investors still have cash and they they, they want to put it to work and. Um, we, like you, um, tend to be very conservative, and we want to be able to uh, preserve capital. That's very important. And we're, we're, what we're like right now are the higher yields on the short end of the curve. So we're, that's where we're focused. Um, I don't really see this as a risk on trade. We're going to see numbers in the next few months before the next Fed meeting that are going to be up and down. They're gonna, there's going to be continued inconsistency. And... Um, one one um, thing that I will say on the on the uh, where we are with GDP in um, recession recession ever since I was in graduate business school um, going back many many years um, has always been two uh, consecutive quarters of negative growth uh, negative GDP so and that's still the definition if you Google recession it comes right up so nothing has changed with that and that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing it's it's this is the definition of the word recession. Uh, and it can be used in different ways. I mean, it, it, there's obviously other, you know, it's happening to my head a little bit, too, with my hair. Um, it has other definitions, but for all practical purposes, for economics, for our business, um, it's two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. And it doesn't necessarily have to put a cloud on the market or the economy. It's just part of the cycle. So the... You know the, the quibbling back and forth on semantics isn't not isn't going to really get anybody any place. Um, and trying to cover up like the recent decline in the in the gas 
uh, well, and the price of oil, which is reflected in the gasoline prices, is not necessarily shifting and, you know, telling us that the trend is shifting altogether. So I think there has to be some, you know, looking longer term, looking at some of the bigger picture items, you know, not being so quick to take the good employment numbers and say, wow, employment is really high. Well, it is high relative to where it's been because um, you know, we had this great resignation we just went through, which was an unusual event, and people are starting to get back to work, which is a good thing, but it's hard to take those numbers in isolation and say, well, we shouldn't be having employment growth if, if the economy is declining. Um, for the second day in a row, I've had a very, very intelligent guest yesterday being a professor, and you're almost like a professor. Yeah, they reached back and said, regardless, the de- a recession is two quarters of GDP in a row negative. And both you guys, you know, sometimes, you know, I actually get ahead of the pack and be younger. It happens like once in a blue moon, right? But uh, by the way, here is the definition of recession today. According to the, the, who are these guys? The National Bureau of Economic Research, NBER, the official arbiter of U.S. business cycles. Now, Dan, you and I and Russell, are you know, we know our stuff pretty good, but we're not official. Just saying. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not official. Re- you got to be official. Recessions typically produce declines in economic output, consumer demand, and employment. The NBER now considers indicators including non-farm payrolls, industrial production, retail sales, among others, and designating the start and end of U.S. recessions, usually months after the peak and trough of the business cycle. There is a load of bullshit, uh, but that's that's the new that's the new thing. It's not two quarters of growth, negative growth. Just saying. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's uh, you know it is what it is in terms of that that has historically been the the definition, yes. and it's uh, it it doesn't necessarily mean it's a harbinger for anything going forward. It just means that's where we're, that's where we are, and except where we are. And do look at the positive things out there. You know, the employment picture is, is relatively positive. It's positive to see people getting back to work. It's positive to see the supply chain issues starting to get resolved a little bit. It's positive to see uh, commodity prices coming down a little on, well, at least when it comes to oil. But there's still some really big picture um, issues out there when it comes to oil and energy and what's going on in the Ukraine. I'm concerned about what's going on in Europe. You know, Europe is a big player in the global economy, and they're, you know, they can't just have, you know, their issues there are not going to be in isolation. So, um, you know, you have to take a look at the, the, the full picture and how it's impacting, um, you know, people around the world. And we do have other major stresses besides the war, besides what's going on in China right now, which is kind of hard to wrap your, your hands around, but the, there's still the talk of, you know, continued lockdowns there or, con- or more shutdowns in the future. And, you know, it's hard to get comfortable with productivity increasing in, increasing um, and growing at a faster clip right where we are today. So I would say that, you know, negative, this period of negative growth is going to continue. The period of inflation is there and it's it's not I don't know if it's necessarily going to get worked of course but it's it's staying where it is for the time being at least for the last six weeks and it may be you know we may start seeing some numbers come down you know they're talking a, a range of around six percent although their target is two percent it's going to take a little while um, for that to happen 
and it's going to take a while still for a lot of the inventory, um, you know, the housing market they're saying is, you know, depending on where you are, I see an amazing amount of construction still where I am, and I see houses selling very quickly. And I talked to people, um, I was talking to some clients on the West Coast yesterday who said, oh, you know, they were referring to the housing market changing there, and in their minds, a change in the housing market, the housing market slowing down means there are no longer 20 um, bids on a house, there's only 10. (laughs) So, I mean, we have to take some of that in perspective. We still have a period to go through of of a contract, this contractionary period has to be, um, we have to let it, do its natural course, go through its natural course and and see the slowdown. And what ends up happening at the end of it, or, or not necessarily at the end of it, what is happening is that we get price stability. And we get that and once we get the price stability, I think that's when more confidence comes back into the market. Dan, I'll make you a bet that neither one of us can I can pay. Maybe Maddie Weber's a young one. I'm gonna say that of their current policy if you under real numbers, Jerome Powell's grandkid will be dead before he gets back to two percent. <laughs> I think you're right. I think it's going to take quite some time. So I mean, I guess if you look out far enough, everything's okay. <laughs> it, yeah, right. It's, 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 yeah, exactly. It's, it's a. Uh, I want to ask you, a, you know, somewhat of a a behavioral question. Um, the uh, when I say behavioral, I'm, I'm more of a behavioral economist, economist than one that knows the numbers, or at least that's when I studied more of it a long time ago. I I listened to Joan Powell talk yesterday, and, if, and I look at what's going on with his, his bill, and I'm trying to tie the two together. Um, the, he, nowhere in this world, I mean, you look at the, the market rally yesterday, and you look at people who benefit by that, and by the way, all my clients do, so it's not like nobody that we know does. I mean, uh, but you, you look at the benefit and all this stuff. Something that's happened in the last 12 or 14 years is the they's, whoever the hell the they's are, are convinced that regular people shouldn't make any money by loaning money to other people. That only they get to do that. And when when you talk about, and I, by the way, thank you, I well, several clients went and got the uh, uh, PC&E stuff last week, uh, and you know at four percent, and they're they're happy as a clown to be getting something for eleven months. And yet, I know in my heart of hearts. The money they just gave PCE, they're going to lose six to eight percent on value in the course of the year, and 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 I think that that is abominable, and 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 and, and I believe it to the, my very bones, and yet you listen to these people we hire, Jerome Powell doesn't have any problem in having the rates for some people being two percent, and and uh, for for and 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 then other people getting you know almost free money, and other people. If you put your money in this 10-year thing at 2%, or what is it, 2.7, let's say 3, I'm going to say at the end of 10 years, you've lost 60% of your wealth, the way things are going. Doesn't it, am I the only one? I know you do. I mean, this is insanity. I mean, and people are thinking now this is the way it ought to be. No, it isn't. No. It's not the way it ought to be. If, if I have cash and you're using my cash, I should get paid for it. What, what makes what yeah. made you think that you could use my dough for free? And yet all these guys now are convinced that they're supposed to be able to use your money and my money for free. Or damn near. And I, you know, It's an attitude that is permeated all the way up. Must be because those guys are getting money from the people who are benefiting from that. But you know what? Dan, that's not right. And, and until we decide that the savings and loan, if they're going to do mortgages at 
six percent. They're going to give the guy giving him the money at three and a half percent, and and the two and a half percent is the is the vig of doing the mortgages, having the people, having the building. We're not close to three percent risk free money yet, and that's where we ought to be. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. We, there, there's still ways to go, and I do think the time period is 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 fairly extended. And and by seeing like signs here or there that that things are moving in that direction, for example, gas prices coming down a little bit, can't jump to conclusions that the, that it's moving faster in that direction than than um, what's really happening. So that's why part of it is waiting for the numbers. Part of it is really just being aware of what's going on and being able to say, yes, we are in a recession. Um, but to go to your point also, um, I think in terms of how to invest and how to really capture the yield, the yield that there is out there, you know, we did talk about PG&E. Um, I did mention earlier that the one-year uh, T-bill is now at 3%. So if I'm looking just to add a little bit of yield into the portfolio um, that, that's very liquid, um, I'd, I'd go with the one-year T-bill over the 10-year. Uh, the 10-year may have room to come down um, because of the flight to quality or because of the investment, but I think that the shorter end is now starting to have um, some attractive yield, although, again, it's you know quite a bit behind um, where inflation is. Uh, another name that, that I had uh, mentioned last uh, week, which actually I think is, is as important, if not more um uh, you know, interesting than the PG&E is ADT, which is the security company. Um, they have a uh, four and an eighth bond that also is due in uh, ten and a half months. Uh, it's June fifteenth of twenty-three. So four and an eighth coupon ADT uh, double B rated, uh, strong credit rating, um, neutral equity rating. Uh, We've been buying them at five percent, and I, when I say five percent, that yields maturity. So to get five percent in a bond that's less than a year in maturity, um, you know, you're getting a couple hundred basis points over um, what you're getting, and it's—I wouldn't say it's a free ride, but it's a—you know—it's a pretty much a give me. And in these names, we're not going to see any major uh, either of these businesses um, default over the next year. Yeah, that's ADT. A- AT, yeah. Apple Dan Tom. Okay. Yes, the security company. So that's a that's another name that is giving you some good yield, very uh conservative and certainly better than what you'd be getting if you were uh if you had your money in a in a cash a cash account um, or a money market account right now. What and is the point that you made earlier to get to go to your point, there is this period of time when the banks seem to take advantage of that spread. Now, one, um, you know, a plug for, for interactive brokers, they'll soon be paying 1.87% on the idle cash. But you're not going to see that at your regional bank or your local bank, or you're not going to see that at Fidelity or, or Schwab. You're going to, you know, ID is out ahead, interactive brokers is out ahead when it comes to that. And that's one of their selling points is that, they're, you know, you're not paying the rates on the margin side that, that you'd be paying, but you're also getting a little more money on the cash side. And that starts adding up when these very short-term rates go up. So, so again, I guess the way I started was to look at the very short end of the curve, which is a year and under, and look for opportunities there for yield because it, we're now starting to come into our own here with, with getting a little bit more yield than we have for for a long, long time. 
and we're able to get it because this is what we do all day and this is yeah. what we focus on and we're doing work on these credits but um, you know there are some other names where we're getting six and seven percent and um, it is not the time I did hear a, a fixed income guy talking yesterday about thinking it's the time to step down in credit quality and I would say absolutely not oh, yeah you be careful with um, that yeah, it is not the time to be stepping down in credit quality. Just as it is not the time to be doing a, a um, risk-on trade on the equity side. It's, we might have a little bit of an interim period here where there's some opportunity, but if you're looking to buy bonds and you're looking to hold them, or at least to to get you're buying them for the additional yield right now, uh, don't step down in credit quality to get that. You don't have to step down in credit quality, and don't step down in credit quality just to meet the. Well, plus, won't you? And I know you're a stickler on this because we are. If you have a client, you know, I'll, I'll say 75 years old, looking a little wobbly, you don't step down in credit quality with that guy because he can't come no. back from it. You got no, ab- absolutely not. It's it, it and no, it's not the time to do that. And we there's still uncertainty as to how the the you know the economic picture is going to work itself out. There's still a lot of questions. I, I brought some broad points up about the you know the global economy earlier. All of those are still, you know, pretty major issues out there um, at a time when we're already in that part of the longer-term cycle, the mature part of the cycle, you know, turning over into the contractionary part of the business cycle. That is a natural part of the cycle, and, it, and it's how it's, how it's managed that I think is most important. So, so look at the yield on the short end. I think that's where I would be focused. Look at, you know, some of the double B and triple B uh, names uh, don't go out too long because uh, then you are going to be dealing with interest rate risk that that's difficult to predict right now. Um, at some point down the road, it might be easier to, to see. Um, we do think the yield curve remains inverted, which means short end is you know yields on short end are at the same, if not higher, than yields on the ten year. Um, that is the case, but but. Try not to time that market. Just try to look for the yield. And, and, you know, if you have money to put to work and you want you don't want it to be sitting at zero, um, here are a couple of opportunities. And um, Dan, we have a, a couple of requests. I'm going to ask you uh, one, well, one other thing for me, but I'm asking too much on my own. One of the guys, or several people have asked me, since they know you know more about it than I do, uh, the total silence in the world regarding... Chinese debt, even though we've seen pictures of bank runs, what what is the status of dollar-denominated debt? No, we actually have some clients, thank God, not through here, that are sort of involved in this, and I don't like to call them up and say, "By the way, how, how's your stuff doing?" But uh, I would, I'm darn curious, what is the status of all that? Are, are they paying? Are they in arrears? Or I've, I've heard there is some there's some uh, non-performing loans. I don't know how many is 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 that a a, a big issue. I know they. Yes. They're the issue. They stop. They're less than a trillion dollars in the U.S. bonds now. The Chinese. And we're. What I mean, you got like three minutes, four minutes is a big topic. I mean, what is the status of these people? Are they just hoping and praying, or what? Well, it's the, the, the you know we have stayed on the sidelines of investing um, in Chinese uh, debt because the. You know the information flow has never been there. So when we're looking at buying, for example, one area like Evergrande or or some of the other um, uh, property companies, as as they refer to them, um, that has gone through the credit markets to you know to um, access capital, 
uh, and people have invested in, in the Chinese real estate market um, or the Chinese property market as a whole, and they've tried to mimic what we do here in the United States. However, they don't have all of the precautions that are set up that we have, which would be parts of the indentures or parts of the legal agreement of the contract of the bond. So it's very difficult. The Chapter 11 process that we have here in the United States is pretty, you know, it's been set up for many, many years, and it we fortunately have not seen a lot of defaults, and it's a new phenomenon for the Chinese, and I'm very concerned about how much information I would have if I was an investor in distressed Chinese debt, or if I was an investor in something that became distressed, and how difficult it would be to get information and how long that workout period would be, and whether you'd get any recovery at all on some of the, the riskier, um, you know, real estate deals that there is there a, that are out there. Okay. Um, is there so is I would there, say that it's there, there's the access to information is really what would keep me away. And yes, it is a problem. It's just um, a problem. I don't want to use the analogy, but. <laughs> Uh, of 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 anything um, like the virus or anything like that, but I think it's it's a problem that could be. I would say it's probably not covered. Um, the most diplomatic way to say it's not covered as much as it should be. I do. If you watch Bloomberg Business News, you will see more coverage on what's going on on the Chinese um, credit side. Is there, is there... looking to get information and see? But I do not see it as an opportunity. I, I see that as being. Might as well go over to Macau and, and do your uh, gambling than, than than actually invest in something that is well, presented Dan, the, to you as an opportunity. Um, the banks having trouble. The, the banks having trouble, and some of the property people uh, having trouble. I mean, it's. I mean, I've, I've heard some of that. Okay, because obviously I wouldn't have known about it. If I didn't hear about it. And that those are those are investments that I'll use the term went through whatever system there is. You yeah. went over and you, you changed the dollars into the into the Chinese currency and you invested that way. But the dollar-denominated debt, to begin, was was didn't go through the system. The Chinese government essentially didn't give it the nod, for lack of a better term, right. and people invested anyway. Is that is that stuff categorically lower lower class, lower rated, more problematic than the stuff that actually went through the system? If the central bank can't handle the stuff that they know about, how the hell are they even? They're not even worried about the stuff they don't know about, are they? Yeah, and this is a new area. So this is like this is new territory um, for for the Chinese. This is not a this is not an area that you know we had. Like I said, we've had decades of of periods of declines in in our credit markets, and um, we have a workout system that has you know advanced over the years. We have a lot of safeties that are put into safety nets that are put into the descriptions of debt that we issue that would make it more comfortable for an investor to get in. We have a lot more transparency now. The, um, the, the weaker credits, the U.S. credits, the smaller ones in particular are the ones that are going to be very hard to get. So if it's a big deal, uh, even if it's in U.S. dollars, you're more likely to, to be able to get access to information. The person, the lead people on those, if you have a New York banker that's sort of leading the workout or the restructuring, I would probably have more confidence than if I had a, a banker in, in, say, Beijing that I was trying to um, to work work with. Um, you would want to have some sort of, you know, if you get to a point where you want to invest in, in that or you have invested, make sure you find a local person here that can explain all the nuances of the in the recovery process because there is not a lot of history. 
and it's very likely that people who have invested in those are, are going to get shut out if their problems continue. Um, yeah, well, thanks, Dan. I mean, it's an area I've got some questions on, and uh, obviously you know more about it than I do. I just uh, I don't think you've got exposure there. I know we don't. No, we definitely don't. We have we've stayed away from it for for you know for those reasons. And and I mean, if you want to look at a proxy, our market right now, in general, our real estate market looks strong. But would you? I mean, it's much more you know it's a, a lot more transparent. And would you be investing in our market, whether it be residential or commercial, right now? I I don't I know. That we got a dash, Dan. But to be investing, so I got a, we got a dash. But I, I would say. Dan, I got stung so bad, and we actually made out, and we got out of it with our own, with our cash, almost to the penny. I got stung so bad, and uh, and when the rates went from eight percent to sixteen in, in like eight months. I am much more concerned about the rapidity, like you say, you got 20, 20 houses for twenty bids to ten bids. Once you get to know, you're a week away from the price going down. I mean, it happens so fast, and we just haven't right. seen it in so long. I just hope I never see it again. You know, but. But I mean, it, it's it's not a, it's not doesn't move like a turtle. It moves, it moves like a like a like a rabbit when it moves. Dan, Dan thank you. Have a nice weekend. Talk to you next week. SP futures down seventeen. Nasdaq futures down one hundred two. Uh, we come back. We'll have some numbers. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Amos, Matt Weber on the board. Well, we've had the 
during break, we're all over the place in these S&Ps. We're down 18 as the uh, GDP or the second quarter GDP came out minus 0.9 versus a positive 0.3, but it's not as bad as the 1.6 decline predicted by the Atlanta Fed. Now we're only down eight points, so I don't know what we're finding positive in here. Uh, PCE, which is uh, Paul's favorite uh, inflation indicator, is up 6.2 percent from last year. If you believe that, I got a bridge, Maddie, a nice bridge for sale just for you. Um, anyway, so we're, we're all over the place. Now we're only down 650. So actually, we're we're up from when the number came out, even though it's worse than anybody. Well, actually, most people thought it'd even be worse. So I guess the shadow number was worse than that. Dow futures down 65 over in Asia. The uh, um, Nikkei up 99.3 percent. Uh, Shanghai up six, 2.2 percent. Hang Seng down 47.2 percent. So kind of muted over there. Uh, Europe DAX down 12.1 percent. FTSE down 13.2 percent. CAC around up 11.2 percent. There's really not much going on around the world at all here today. Uh, the big move was yesterday. Dow was up 436. S&P up 102. Nasdaq up 469. It was over 4 percent. That's a huge move. Uh, bonds. Up two basis points, 2.75. Again, don't re- do not reflect the Fed by gr- really being aggressive at this, like they say they are. The bond under 1%, 0.93. Japan under 20 now, uh, 0.19. So uh, bonds are going absolutely the wrong way for, for a Fed trying to hike in- interest rate. I, I don't know what the forked tongue is with those guys. Uh, oil up two bucks, uh, to 99.53, trying to get over 100. Brent up 226, 108.88. Spread there is still uh, almost well, it's nine dollars. So that's a uh, nine fifty. That's pretty big for that spread. Natural gas down four cents, kind of settling in the middle eights here after running past nine after the other day when the Russians said they were going to cut off more gas to Europe. They got a big problem over there with natural gas supply. Arbab unchanged at three forty three. We've got gold with a big move here up fifteen forty to seventeen hundred thirty four. It's still low. Uh, silver up 71 cents, 1931. Copper up 4 cents, 347. We've got Bitcoin up 91 bucks. Now was up more than that. 22,888, so comfortably over the 20,000 number that everybody is worried about. And we have the dollar against Europe is uh, is actually is actually up. The, Euro, the Euro, uh, European the Euro dollar is at 101.5, down 43 basis points. So the dollar is actually moving up here a little bit. Matty, what do you got for us? Trevi Weather Sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We're still working on our biggest uh, issue of the morning, and that's that the outbound Bishop Ford has been closed since about 4 o'clock this morning due to a fatal uh, incident where a car struck a pedestrian on the expressway. That happened uh, a few hours ago, and it still has the outbound Bishop Ford closed uh, between Sibley and 154th Street. All traffic is being detoured off at Sibley and can re-enter at Lincoln Avenue. Uh, so that's obviously causing solid traffic and you want to avoid the outbound Ford. Inbound side is very slow due to gaper delays as well. We did have an earlier three car crash on the inbound side right at that same area because of uh, people looking over at the uh, closure. That has been cleared, so that's good news. So the inbound side you can get through now, but uh, very slow. So the Bishop Ford you want to avoid if you can this morning. I-57 and the Dan Ryan are looking okay. Uh, Traffic building steadily on the Stevenson and Eisenhower. Same for the Kennedy. Edens is all quiet. Lakeshore Drive has been quiet all morning. Weather today, clouds early. Could have some rain this morning before we clear off and uh, turn into a nice day this afternoon. A high of 81. Right now it's overcast and 74 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, rain in the forecast down there as well and a high of 95. Right now it's mostly clear and 87. 
In sports, the White Sox uh, blew a, a two-run lead late and gave up two in the bottom of the ninth, losing to the Rockies 6-5. to That dropped the White Sox back to 500. They're three games behind Minnesota in the AL Central. Cubs were off yesterday. They're in San Francisco tonight for an 8.45 Central Time first pitch. Cubs have won six in a row. Diamondbacks beat those same Giants 5-3. And lastly, uh, the Bears, of course, reported to training camp this week up in Lake Forest. And today will be their first practice that's open to the public. So you can uh, watch the boys practice at 10 a.m. this morning. Chief. They're, they're not they're not Bourbon A anymore, right? They're up Correct. In they're, yep, Hallis Hall. Why did they stop uh, doing that? No COVID? Um, I think they were looking for a reason to stop doing that, and maybe they used COVID as a, an excuse, or maybe they announced it before COVID. I can't remember, but it was announced that they were not going to renew their contract or whatever agreement they had with Bourbon A, and they were just going to stay at their training camp because I think it's more convenient for them, and uh, that's why. But they don't like staying in the dorms, right? They just stay at home, right? So, yeah, they're allowing the players to just stay at home and get get sort of getting rid of that whole, yeah, dorm experience for two weeks. <laughs> I wonder if uh, other ex- teams are doing that as well. I think they are. I don't, I don't know that every team is doing it, but I think a lot of teams are, are moving away from the, the old school way of doing training camp for is whatever it, reason. Who was up uh, just north of Galena? There's a town up there. Wasn't that the Packers? Or was that Kansas City was up there? They used to scrimmage them once in a while? Yeah, I don't remember. I remember when the Bears were in Platteville, Wisconsin, yeah. and I remember going to a training camp there once, and that was kind of cool, and then I, I went to Bourbon a, a few times. Well, there was somebody right near there in Platteville that they'd always, just, just north of them. Yeah, it could have been the Packers. I, 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 don't, I don't remember. And do we have Mr. Flanagan? We do. John, how are you? Tom. Maybe it's the work-from-home phenomenon, Tom. Maybe the Bears are picking up on their cues here. <laughs> <laughs> the Bears, uh, they, they, need some, they need some help as... Uh, well, it comes down to, I guess, who are the X's and who are the O's, right, Matty? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, they're, I think they're pretty clear that this is a rebuilding year with uh, the new staff and, and 20 new players coming in and 11 new draft picks coming in. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, you also don't want to waste too much of your young quarterback's window. If he's, if he's as good as they think he is and he's on his rookie contract, you want to put as many good players around him as possible and take advantage of that. Um, and I think, you know, you can't rebuild much longer than one more year. Well, the you know the, the cynics among us. And I read this article. I didn't write it. it. Had to do with when you fire a coach, what you really do. You don't have any any idea that a new coach would be better than the old coach, right? But the what you do is you gain you gain two more years of the fans where they let you go for two years before they start bitching at you again. There's no doubt about that. Same with the new GM. Yeah, same thing with the you know even a baseball manager or yep. whatever type of thing. And and instead of you know placing the blame kind of where it is. Does anybody, does anybody really think that, that Joe Madden can't manage? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really? I mean, you get to the top of that pyramid, it's not like people all know the X's and the O's. I mean, I think they do. Some guys are better than others, of course. But, but Jan, uh, interesting stuff going on with the, with the Fed and all these other people yesterday. But uh, this GDP number, um, I don't know if you listened the, the other day when Hal was on it. Hal's been getting more, I mean, he's always been interesting, but he's kind of, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, He's letting his hair down a little bit, Matt, for lack of a better term. And uh, he was talking about, if you look at the, the nominal numbers versus the other stuff with the inflation and everything, he, he, he's, he was, what did he say, Jen? That he thought the real GDP number should be like minus six or something. <laughs> That's yeah, that, well, I think he's out of something, Tom. Nobody is going to say that with any no. kind of megaphone these days. But, um, boy, it, it made me think. I, I think he really is right. Because I'm not really sure because... 
um, what they what they use as deflators on this stuff. I know the, the PCE is the deflator you use and the GDP. All right, so uh, so what, what we're saying the uh, all right. Well, I'll give the identity. It, all the goods, all the goods and services in the uh, in the country times the price level is always going to be equal to the money supply times the t- times the the spin the uh, the velocity how many times it's spun around because if it's if you've got fifty billion dollars as a GDP okay and you got five billion dollars in cash that has to have been spent ten times to equal to fifty billion right Jim it's, it's an identity yep. it has to work out but the price level is is becomes the issue so obviously if you if you sell a hundred bottles of coke at a dollar a pop literally no pun intended you, you it's a hundred bucks well if you raise the price to a dollar ten and you and you and you sell 95 it looks like your sales went up from last year even though they really didn't so you what you need to do is if you think there's inflation or deflation around you need to adjust one to the other so you so you're staring sort of at apples and oranges right Jen right. oh therein comes the rub I mean every, everybody knows that this inflation is going to be is anywhere between 10 to 16 at this point, maybe pushing 20 in some areas. I mean, it, so for these guys to be looking at this 6.5 number, I mean, I don't know what planet they're at. But but now the question is, did they deflate the GDP number by only 6.5 to get to this negative 0.9 number? Because if the number is really 10 or so, then that number should be what minus four percent, five percent, somewhere in there, John. Yeah, yeah. Which would be really awful. I mean, I, I I hope Hal's not right on that. I I think it might be down two or three percent, but I don't. He's talking somewhere, maybe even double figures. I I'm not so sure. On Kevin that. writes in on Twitter: Will the Biden administration admit recession when they announce the third consecutive negative quarter in October? <laughs> yeah, the answer, <laughs> of course not. The answer is no. You keep changing the definition, right? Well, you, you know, Tom, there wouldn't be any interest in talking about definitions at all or questioning them or fine-tuning them unless there was some deep desire to save off anything that fits the definitions we have. So to me, it's, it's proof positive that they know they're concealing something and they're going to do it by this, you know, <laughs> idiotic way to say that the, the definitions don't work anymore. Let's play with the definitions instead of looking at the reality no matter what definition you want to use, um, it is what it is. And to to use this as kind of a smokescreen for what people need to be thinking about and looking at is, I think, a clear sign that we're in much worse shape than they want us to think. Well, you can always, everybody sort of does it. I mean, I I could, if if I wanted to harm myself, if I walked down the block to the Tripoli sale, of course I never do, uh, and three or four guys jog by me, I could look at the like the difference between like their body style and mine, and say like I have some work to do. Or I could go up to the Wisconsin State Fair and say, right. "Boy, I'm the skinniest guy in the place." I'd be a stud. I'd be a stud here. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's it's sort of a question of point of view. I mean, now we're saying there's more involved in this recession thing than just the one number. Okay, well, what's more involved? Well, what, let, let me think of it. <laughs> Whatever I think up to make sure we're positive, right? I mean. It's now, now two two quarters of negative was was that the world's best definition? No, but it was a definition, and now we've we've gotten rid of. Yeah. Well, you know what's going to become? It'll it'll be a question of you know two 
consecutive quarters of you know negative growth up you know, below a certain number. It'll be endlessly tweaking some yeah. kind of floor. But as long as we don't go this low, we're okay, and we shouldn't be worried. And let's think about something else. It's all going to be about masking um, the, the severity of something, and that's the only time you get people quibbling about this stuff or, or or trying to you know create some kind of climate that the definitions we have are somehow outdated and masking you know, all the health that you don't notice if you use these conventional definitions. Well, uh, Kevin is right. This hap- this is now by administration, and they're doing the the same you know answering the same the same question how many fat people can dance on the head of a pen but if you go back to the trump administration i know kevin's no trump or anything like that but i mean he's the one people started complaining what the fed was doing with the money the money supply numbers flying out well what did they do well we're not going to give them to you anymore yeah we just hide the numbers we're, we're not going to give them to you we're not, not to you we might give them to other people that you know are the right people well that, that's just as much bs as this right oh yeah yeah I actually read some, uh, boy, I, I don't know where I could, John, you can, this could be a mission for you because you're, you're the man that can, they went back, I won't say every single president, when you talk about the federal deficit, uh, to, starting with John Kennedy, every single president changed the definition uh, in, in, a, in a fairly significant way. And I, won't, I won't say every single, but I remember about five of them, and uh just changed the definition. I mean, back in Kennedy's time, I forget what he did and which one Johnson did and Nixon. Or, anyway, somebody, the Social Security used to be part of the, the budget. So that you, that Social Security had a positive, uh, was, was separate. So if it had a positive, it didn't affect the, the government, the, the budget. But when, the, when the rest of the budget started to run a negative, and people were pouring more into Social Security or taking out back in those days, they meshed the two together. Right, you used the surplus to offset it. You used the surplus to offset it, and they said, oh, no, we don't have a deficit, because we got, even though the Social Security is allegedly, even though it never was set up to be, an insurance thing that should be totally separate, because it had a positive, and the, and the, the budget had a negative, they meshed the two together. And it's some, somebody else, it was an amazing litany of things. What if Nixon did something even crazier than Kennedy and Jansen? But there were like three or four, and it sounds like something you could you could dig up, John. You're, because I had the article, and I don't know what the hell I did with it. But it, but they both, it had to do with cutting this out. It had to do with uh, uh, not using some, you know, some of your uh, pension is now off balance sheet. Now, all the things they don't count. And all, and so now, when they say there's a budget deficit, there's really a budget deficit. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it, there's, there's no way that it's not way worse than they tell you it is. And it's, but those have been discrete orders by four or five different presidents just to make things look good start and it didn't matter what party they were in if they had a problem they, they changed the definition and you know i and, and for some reason we all let them do it i mean right now you know i was bragging pretty much earlier about how the entire washington group now whoever comprises the power behind our currency system our fred our our treasury the entire power to be is we're not going to let the schlumps in this country ever earn a real interest rate again. It doesn't appear. We're never, they're never going to get a risk-free rate of 3 3.5% plus inflation. It's never going to happen. I mean, right now, I mean, just talking to Dan, we're giddy trying to find our clients something at 4 4.5%, knowing inflation's 10. In fact, that return is worse than it was four years ago when the inflation was 6 and the number was 0. It's yep. worse. Yep. 
but everybody thinks it's better. It's not. The thing I find really distressing, Tom, is that the more you get this kind of you know rewriting of guidelines, talking about the you know, presidential orders and so on, and that that has always been kind of the, the privilege of the executive, I guess, to make themselves look good and burnish their reputation for the next election cycle or their, their party's fortunes. But now it's become, I think, a more sinister thing where the, the goal of this is it's really not so much to quibble about what you know constitutes a recession or not, but it's more like who cares if we're in a recession? Let's think about other things. Let's look at other data. Let's let's think about this data in ways that don't even use the terms like in recession because those are kind of quaint terms too. And, and this is just another way of deflecting, you know, attention from things that we can measure historically and have measured historically, and turn it into some kind of just sideshow that has nothing to do with reality and to take people's minds off of focusing on gee we're in a recession and it's a bad one and there's no you know sign it's improving anytime soon they don't want us to think in those terms at all they'd like us to, d- to disconnect this data from any kind of language that makes us think of it in a negative way and once you do that if you can if you can disconnect it then people do think about it in other ways if, if they talk about it enough. well when you say I think the, the well, I'm, I'm as you know, I'm somewhat of a conspiracy guy. Or not, you know, not know, but I mean, it's obvious. But it's it's not. I don't, I'm not I'm not going to go the same as this, where the the Republicans will, will will say the liberals have this agenda and somebody else has this agenda. I honestly believe that Jan. I I don't know that there's, you know, the Soroses of the world are are, are pulling the puppet strings on people directly. But I, d- I do think that the because of the concentration of money, and the federal government really is the only person now who has money. You know, you know I mean, they're, even though they're borrowing it and printing it, that is the, that is the fountain of money. If you're not involved, you're you're in trouble. I mean, the only way you're keeping pace with this inflation is have a government contract. It seems. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't know if were you uh, driving around yesterday because my my fine truck is in the in the garage, uh, the the fix it garage. I'm driving back and they're talking about they can now start this road work again. Because the uh, society of was it operating engineers, the guys who run all the stuff in the gravel pits, that, that get all the crush the stone for the aggregate for the concrete, blah blah blah. These guys just just finished their uh, strike, and they didn't say how many years the contract is. I'm going to guess three years. I mean, John, you know more about labor law than me. I, it's got to be at least three years, you would think. So let's say it's three years. They just got a contract that, that's going to give them a 16 percent raise over the life of the contract. I almost, I almost crashed the car. I'm like, why don't these people hire me <laughs> as a consultant? It needs to be 16% plus cost of living. Right. At, at the end of three years, they're behind it. They're behind the... Why, why would you sign a contract, gives your people less money at the end of three years, and they've got... There doesn't any... Obviously, the, the mentality of what an inflationary time period is like, you and I have, because we remember... These new people, they don't they... Maddie, would you sign a contract like that? Would you would would your, would your guys even think about an escalation clause in a contract? I'm going to say maybe not, because you never I saw can it. I guarantee before. it didn't come up in the negotiations. How can and it, it not? won't become part of the way the contract is sold to its rank and file? Because I, I assume there's enough. It should be enough intelligent people to say Let, let's compare percentages here. What's my dollar worth next year given this inflation? Forget about what the increases. Let's just look at what I'm getting now, and how much more in the hole I'll be a year from now. Where's the additional money to, to 
bring me back up to where I was on January 1, 2022, when 2023 comes around. And none of these labor contracts are going to have that in there because neither side of the table is willing to swallow exactly what the numbers would have to be. So it's, it's all palliative stuff. It's to make people think, gee, we, a 16% raise over three years, could it, could it get any better? Well, it's, it's, it's BS. <laughs> it's total BS. But this is you know, the problem, I think, in, in disconnecting this from the reality of what's happening. Nobody wants that connection to be drawn out too explicitly because it will, it will really well, you know, Jan, cause the, everything to come to a grinding halt as people rise up in fury. Well, but I guess the, the, my my conspiracy thing here. I'm trying to take what you said earlier when you when you you um, not accusing you, but actually, well, sorry, I'm all like, but when you say the people or this or people don't, uh, I think these these guys absolutely understand. They don't care about any of the people you and I care about. Of course, no, and, and that's otherwise they wouldn't have the effrontery to do what they're doing and expect to keep their heads on their shoulders. So, yeah, I mean, and and I nobody's for an armed revolution, but. I think it's so pervasive. I, I don't know how. I, I honestly believe that somehow, someplace, somebody with a personality better better than Trump needs to really get elected with maybe twenty five representatives with him and ten senators. I don't know how that all happens. Don't even call it a third party, but call it something. Call it a gang. And I think you spend the first you, you spend the first four months just firing people. I mean, maybe maybe you, you rehire them under a new under a new uh, a new watchdog, but you don't. I mean, this whole month, I mean, the people in the Fed now—they don't. Do they think? I, mean, I know some of these guys. I mean, they, they don't even—they don't even know what I'm talking about when I say you, you guys aren't. You're—you're—you're you're, you're eviscerating this group. What do you mean? <laughs> they, you, know. you think back to the you know the hoopla surrounding when Hillary Clinton was testifying in the Benghazi hearings, and the moment that was played over and over again in her testimony. What difference does it make? You know about whether it was this that triggered the uprising in Libya or something else, or whether we were complicit in it or whether we lied about what it was behind it, it didn't matter anymore. And you saw the same thing this week with, you know, the president's you know, press secretary saying it doesn't matter how the president got COVID. Who cares about that? Well, you know, maybe that would go down a little better if we didn't also have stuff about, well, it doesn't really matter if we're in a recession as conventionally defined. Um, that That's not really important here. Let's let's think about other well, things. Well, because the... Once, once you start making people forget about things that we should be asking questions about and insisting that people forget about it and not providing answers, after a while, everything is stonewalled. Well, this... This is, this is such a frustrating extent that, you know, how do you break through it? How do you get people to be accountable? You, you don't, ever. Well, because anybody whose name or lobbyist is a, is attached to this $300 billion, $390 billion bill, I guarantee you, is not in a recession. And those are the people that count. And, and no, we're, and I and think we're not. probably, as you and Lou were saying earlier, that in the interest of transparency, which is supposedly something that prevents corruption, the names of these things are in the bill. They're, they're protected by names. They're benefited by name. And it isn't like we're, we're not trying to hide anything. We're, we're giving uh, a donor so-and-so and so-and-so with, with ties to this industry or ties to this country or whatever else. They don't even try well, to Well, I want to know where the $60 billion's going to, to make sure that people of color... I, I guarantee you, no person of color that you and I know is going to get a we'll, damage. We'll get a penny out of it. Yeah, we'll get a, we'll get a penny. Uh, I just what I would like to have seen. I mean, yesterday, Jay Powell to stand up and say, "We understand you guys are at this three hundred ninety billion dollar bill. I'm not. You better tax for it, or you better borrow it, because I'm not giving you a dime." He's not going to say that, and, and until he does, 
Nobody's going to believe a word he says on this inflation. That's why bonds are going up and not down. Right. I mean, I just, John, have a good weekend, buddy. Maybe I'll be, remember to see you one of these days. No, I uh, sure hope, Tom. <laughs> yeah, God. S&P, <laughs> Matty, thank you. S&P is down three. S&P futures down 38. Matty, if Jack came out to play, maybe you can stop by for a beer some night. You never know. Absolutely. Well, anyway, have a, have, a, have a nice Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.